0: Pro-rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. On today's show, Disney admits to flirting with Twitter and how vaping could hurt President Trump in 2020. But first, We mess. Okay, honestly, I did not expect that we'd be doing another episode about WeWork, uh, at least not yet. But this thing is now full-fledged soap opera, which means it takes unexpected and ridiculous turns when you least expect them. The latest came this weekend, with reports, first by the Wall Street Journal, that lead WeWork investor SoftBank is seeking to oust company co-founder and CEO Adam Neumann. The basic idea is that kicking out Neumann would stop WeWork from going public in 2019, which is something SoftBank has been wanting for weeks, but but so far hasn't managed to completely accomplish. So three things to know. First, there are no new allegations of serious wrongdoing against Newman, at least not in terms of anything SoftBank wouldn't or shouldn't have known when they invested at a $47 billion valuation earlier this year. Again, at least not that we know about. Two, Newman recently agreed to corporate governance changes that would allow the board to fire him. But it should be noted, he also could fire the entire board first, so at least in theory. So this is kind of a game of corporate chicken. Three, WeWork could run into a major cash crunch if this IPO doesn't happen and happens soon. Not only because it wouldn't generate billions of dollars from selling stock, but also because it's got a $6 billion debt deal reliant on the IPO occurring in 2019. Remember, WeWork is a company that loses tons of money And has huge liabilities. Cash is king. The bottom line here no matter whether Newman wins or SoftBank wins, the actual business is being hurt in the meantime. For example, why would a big enterprise company right now want to commit to multiple WeWork contracts with so much in flux and so many accusations being leaked? By trying to salvage its investment, SoftBank may actually be burning it down. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Wall Street Journal reporter Maureen Farrell.
1: But first, this. Bridgebank believes in the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors, those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. That's why Bridgebank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be bold, venture wisely. We're
0: joined now by The Wall Street Journal's Maureen Farrell. From your perspective and your reporting, do you believe SoftBank has learned new information about Adam Newman in the past, call it several weeks, or is the real piece of information they've learned that prospective investors aren't comfortable investing in a company with him at the helm?
2: It's unclear on the first part. Our understanding is my colleague Elliot Brown wrote an article last week detailing some of Adam Newman's drug use and bringing drugs on a plane what we've heard was that really spooked potential investors we've also heard you know over the last several weeks that investors just had been spooked in general by a lot of questions around corporate governance a lot of learning more about how much money Mr Newman had taken out of the company the loans he had tied to the company obviously they took some steps to change things, but it didn't seem like it would be enough.
0: On the corporate governance piece specifically, from what you've heard, is there anything that right now WeWork slash Newman could do that would make investors more comfortable in that piece? Because from my read of it, he gave up quite a lot as part of that and seemed to do most of what they wanted him to do.
2: I guess he did give up a lot, but at the end of the day, he had up his voting control before the IPO from 10 to 1 to 20 to 1. He moved back. He stepped it down again to 10 to 1. But at the end of the day, he still controls the company. So, I mean, if there were single class of shares, maybe you could say it's not solely his company and he's not the main decision maker. But I mean, theoretically, he still has the power to fire the board with his 10 to 1. And even rolling back a lot of you know, making these corporate governance changes, I do think it wasn't enough to make him main decision maker of anything critical.
0: Is there a sense from the people you speak to that this is simply a captain of the ship issue and that people are comfortable that the ship itself is solvent? In other words, if you just put somebody else in, then yes, we all rush into WeWork because at least leading into the IPO, it seemed that the fundamental questions about the business were just as prevalent as questions about Newman.
2: I heard really mix things as far as that goes. I mean, right now, in terms of chatter about if you take taken out of it, this is a great business, it's growing, it has this huge international brand. But then, as you said, the minute we saw the financials, and obviously bond investors had known them for a while, a lot had been out there, they're losing a lot of money. They're making a lot of money, they're growing, but the losses are there. There is this argument put out there that they could stop losing so much money if they stop growing, that it's very much in their control. But clearly, you know, investors want growth. So I think it's really an open question. And then there's that question of, I mean, Adam Newman built this company. He has something that made this that no one else has. I mean, there's tons of um, companies, subleasing companies.
0: Yeah, there's this question of, you know, that the difference between WeWork and regis, for example, is him. For lack of a better term, his aesthetic, like which has created this company, which is different than the hundreds of other co-working space companies out there.
2: Yes. I mean, there's the question of what happens. Can another, you know, quote unquote, normal traditional CEO keep that going? And I guess we don't know. I mean, look at Uber pushed out Travis Kalanick and it's struggling right now by all accounts. I mean, you look at where it stands compared to its IPO price. You look at where it stands compared to when Travis left just
0: in terms of valuation. Yeah, it's lost money. I mean, it's lost value, not money. It, well, it's lost money, too. But it's, it's lost value from where Travis was. And some of the players here are the same, right? SoftBank was involved with Uber. Benchmark, which is on the uh, venture capital firm, which was on the board of Uber and really pushed Kalanick out. They're on the board of WeWork here. So, so let me ask about the SoftBank piece. Do you have a sense? SoftBank has obviously come out unofficially and, and is pushing to get Adam out. They first wanted to kill the IPO or postpone it. Do you have a sense of what their endgame is here?
2: No. I mean, I think it's just for the health of the company. Like, it does seem like investors, and I think it's unclear what that is. But, I mean, right now they do. It seems like with the plan to push him out or thinking it's better for him to be gone, talking to other people about that, a plan to talk to him about it, there's a sense that the company will be healthier long-term if he's not at the helm of it and in some sort of non-executive chairman role is what we've heard they'll be pushing for.
0: Does SoftBank, from your perspective, does it run a risk when it comes to future founders? You know, obviously they were involved with Uber, but weren't really driving the bus. That, that was really benchmark. In this case, they're in charge or or seem to be in charge of trying to push Newman out. Do they run a risk when it comes to getting future deals, future founders who are going to look at this and say, wait a minute. We, you know, you were all in on Adam Newman and then you bailed at the first sign of real trouble. Or are those other founders going to say, don't worry. We're not Adam Newman. We're not going to have that problem.
2: If I had to guess, I do think it's the latter. And just when you see literally just in terms of how much he's taken out of the company and some of the corporate governance things, when we reported initially that he had taken out hundreds of millions of dollars and stock sales and hundreds of millions in loans, everyone I talked to when we reported that story who was aware of this said it was orders of magnitude bigger than anything they had ever seen from a founder.
0: But SoftBank knew about all that, right? That's the part I try to understand here. SoftBank's now pushing to try to get them out. SoftBank's on the board. SoftBank put, you know, you talked about the losses. SoftBank is known for pushing aggressively in growth, growth, growth at all costs. Is there part of this, this is SoftBank's kind of deflecting from its own responsibility here?
2: Or, I mean, maybe this is That's the much longer term question that they're going to have to wrestle with. I mean, it just seems like in the immediate right now, it sounds like the next move is to try to push him out. And then once that is done, there are these bigger questions, as you said. I mean, the board had to approve the stock sales, the loans, a lot of different, you know, the things, all the things we're seeing in terms of corporate governance. So I think that's the question there. I mean, this growth at all costs, this giving founders so much control, so much power, is that going to be okay to remain the play for SoftBank? So even if founders don't think they're like Adam Newman, what has kind of won them deals, this huge outpouring of capital? There are a lot of open questions right now about SoftBank. The next vision fund, will they get it done? So I think we're going to be learning the answers to those questions and how they're dealing with it internally and externally, what investors are going to say to them about this. You know, we know that PIS, the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund pushed back against their last investment in WeWork, so it was done by the SoftBank Group. So anyway, I think that those questions we're going to see for a while going forward, and they're going to take a long time to answer.
0: Thank you so much to Maureen Farrell of The Wall Street Journal. We do not know what her next story will say, except we are certain there will be one. My final two.
1: Right after this. With offices and tech hubs throughout the country, including San Francisco, Boston, and Atlanta, and new offices in Seattle, Denver, and Chicago, Bridgebank continues to meet the innovation ecosystem wherever it thrives. And through its teams focused on technology and life sciences companies and the equity investors who fuel them, Bridgebank delivers a responsive, high touch client experience. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank. Be bold, venture wisely.
0: Now it's time for my final two, and first up is Disney, which a few years ago wouldn't comment on published reports that it was in talks to buy Twitter. Now, in a new memoir, Disney CEO Bob Iger confirms not only that Disney had interest, but that a deal nearly got done before Iger and others decided it would do too much damage to the company's brand. Specifically, Iger says he found there to be too much nastiness on the platform and believed that all the good Twitter could do was being offset by all the bad. It's also worth noting this isn't the only time Disney has thought about investing in a controversial tech company and then bailed out. The mouse once thought about plugging over $200 million into DraftKings before deciding that sports betting also didn't really fit its image. Finally, we have talked a lot about vaping in recent weeks, including President Trump's proposed plan to ban all flavored vape pods from the U.S. market. Now, Axios's Elena Treen reports that some conservative leaders are warning the White House that if the ban moves forward, it could hurt President Trump in 2020. In short, vapors love their vapes and might be pulling a Charlton Heston cold dead hands moment with the president. As Elena writes, quote, Florida, which Trump won by 113,000 votes, had about 873,000 adult vapors in 2016. They reason that if one in eight vapors turn against Trump in 2020 because he foreclosed on their vaping options, it could jeopardize the entire election. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great national pot pie day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.